Welcome back to Church Online. We're so thankful you're tuning in. I want you to uh, participate with us today. And a great way that we can participate is through the YouTube live chat. So go ahead, drop a comment, let us know that you're here. And we want to communicate. We want you to participate with us. If I get preaching really good, feel free to drop a comment, say preach it, pastor. Uh, But we want to know you're here. And uh, we just want to encourage you to comment any prayer requests as well as just anything, maybe a word of encouragement, and uh, let people know that you are tuning in this morning. Well, I can't believe that this is already week three of doing church online. I got to tell you, it's not the same preaching to a bunch of empty chairs, but I'm so thankful for the power of the Holy Spirit, as I believe He's been encouraging us in this time. We've been drawing in. We've had just really designed words that I believe God has preached and, and shared through us Uh, during this time of that we want to take the invitation to transformation. Last week we talked about from crisis to Christ, that we want to find Christ in every situation. And this morning I really want to go a little deeper, and I don't want you to be startled by the title, but I really want to uncover and expose a spirit that I believe we can fall plagued to. I believe that we can be deceived to if we're not careful, especially as we think about the end times, as we look what Jesus talks about, the signs of the times. And that spirit, and what I want to preach to you this morning, is the spirit of Antichrist. I want to talk about how we don't want to fall prey, we don't want to fall into being deceived by a spirit of Antichrist. Let's go before the Lord in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you that you give us strategy. We thank you for the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. I ask right now as I deliver this message that you would anoint it, Holy Spirit, that I repent of anything in my life that would hinder the word of God flowing forth in a power of demonstration and the power of deliverance. God, I ask that you would move and that you would touch us right here as we're tuning in and watching and hearing this word. I pray that it would accomplish what you've designed it to accomplish, that it would encourage your people. It would bring healing to a broken world. Father, we thank you. We honor you. We give you this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, amen. Amen. Well, I want to jump right in and preach to you this morning on this spirit of Antichrist. And what began stirring my spirit to begin preaching on this is I came across a prophecy from 1986 from the late David Wilkerson. If you don't know anything about David Wilkerson, he started a great ministry called World Vision as well as Teen Challenge. Uh, My wife, Brianna, she served in the Teen Challenge ministry. And David Wilkerson, during my time in Bible college at ORU, um, he was someone that I listened to a lot. He was someone that I studied before his passing in 2011 and just has a whole archive of great sermons, prophecies, messages, as he pastored a great church on Broadway in New York City, pastored the great Times Square Church. But this prophecy has been going around, and it came to my attention. I want to read it to you, and then I really want to preach from it, because I believe it speaks to where we're at as a country. Look what it says. It says, I see a plague coming on the world, and the bars, the churches, and government will shut down. 
The plague will hit New York City and shake it like it's never been shaken. The plague is going to force prayerless believers into radical prayer and into their Bibles. And repentance will be the cry from the man of God in the pulpit. And out of it will come the third great awakening that will sweep America and the world. Again, that's from David Wilkerson in 1986. And I believe we're seeing what looks like a modern day plague of this coronavirus that it's literally shut down our country. It's shut down businesses. It's shutting down churches. The doors of the church are not open. But I wanna announce to you that the church has left the building and we're gonna respond the best that we can, that we're gonna continue to minister, that we're gonna continue to pray. We're gonna continue to serve those in need as we see our country struggling to find hope. But this morning, I wanna really talk about what I believe is a spirit that is behind um, a lot of minor spirits, really a major spirit that the Bible talks about, and that's the spirit of Antichrist. I wanna open up God's word, and I want to go where Paul talks about this spirit. And I'm gonna bring a lot of scripture out this morning, so get ready to take notes and highlight and underline your Bibles. Because I want us to see where we need to be aware as a church that these things need to be preached about so that we don't fall deceived to a spirit of Antichrist. Look what the Word of God says in 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 1 through 12. It says this, Paul speaking. He says, Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to Him, we ask you, not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as it from us as though the day of Christ had come. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. And the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Verse 5, Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And now you know what is restraining, that he may be revealed in his own time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. The coming of the lawless one, in other words, the Antichrist, is according to the working of Satan, with all powers and sign and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion, and they should believe the lie, that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Two things, starting off the bat, that we see right in this passage of Scripture, talking about the coming of the lawless one, the son of perdition, which is the Antichrist, where we would get Antichristo in the New Testament, Antichrist in the book of Revelation when that would be revealed. But what I want you to see is there's two things that we see right off the bat. Number one is this, that before Jesus comes, Jesus is coming again. Praise God, he's coming again. 
But before he does, it says there's going to be tribulation. There's going to be a time of just pruning of the church. And what that is known as is the great falling away, that there's going to be a great apostasy. So number one, what we'll see revealed in 2 Thessalonians that we just read is there's going to be a great falling away. Now, I touched on this in a past series called Fight for Faith. I encourage you, if you didn't, weren't here for that series, to go on our YouTube channel and check that out where we talked about apostasy and the church apostatizing and how for generations we've been in this slow fade, this slow time of a great falling away. And the Bible says that we're not going to see the second coming of the Lord until these two things happen. Number one, again, is the great falling away. And number two, that there would be an antichrist revealed. There would be a man in body known as the antichrist who would be revealed, the son of perdition, the lawless one, who would rise up and through influence of satanic, demonic powers, would deceive many, would draw many unto himself, would be a world leader. It says here that he would use deception and signs and wonders and power lying wonders, that there would be great delusion that would fall and many would receive him. Now, what we need to know and why I, why I call this message the spirit of Antichrist is we're going to see is in this passage of Scripture and, and, and several that I'm going to share is that there has been the spirit of Antichrist at work since the beginning, that there's been many Antichrists. We've seen the spirit of Antichrist uh, possess different leaders throughout church history. We've seen the spirit of Antichrist in world history where through the, them being possessed, being motivated and led and deceived by a spirit of Antichrist, slaughtered and, and persecuted entire people groups. We see things that are going on in the Middle East, wars and rumors of war, wars, that the motivating spirit behind it is a spirit of Antichrist. Now think of it this way as well. Just as you and, you and I are filled and empowered and emboldened by the Holy Spirit, that we're the temple of the Holy Spirit. He's within us. He dwells within us. So is the spirit of Antichrist, that it's good versus evil, that the good, those that call themselves followers of Christ, that they have are, and are motivated and empowered and sanctified through the Holy Spirit. On the bad side, the evil side, we see the same, that it is a spirit of Antichrist, that there's Jesus Christ, then everything else that is evil is Antichrist. And I want us to be aware because Jesus speaks of the Antichrist in Matthew 24. John speaks of it extensively in the book of Revelation. And Paul references it in Timothy and Thessalonians and in different places. So this is something we need to be aware of. I want us to understand, too, of what we see in David Wilkerson's prophecy is that I believe if we can turn to the Lord in this time in solitude and in repentance, that we know when I've preached on this month after month, series after series, is that repentance always brings renewal. If we want to see a repentance in our inner life, if we want to see a repentance in our country, we must turn to God in a spirit of repentance. We must turn to Him. And as we turn and as we repent and as we change our ways, as we turn to God, then we'll begin to see the renewal. We'll begin to see the revival. And as He said, He envisioned a great awakening coming the third great awakening coming into our country. I believe, and I, and I agree with that, that we are on the brink of seeing a mighty move of God. But we have to take this time and turn to the Lord, fast, pray, begin to seek Him like we've never sought Him before, begin to, to pour ourselves out before Him. Just as we looked last week of, of Daniel, when he saw uh, the future and he was mourning and he was hurting for what was coming, 
that he turned to the Lord, that he chose to walk in faith and not be fearful. I want us to look at another passage of Scripture that speaks to this, and that's 1 John 2, 15 through 22. Look what it says, that this is how we can be deceived by a spirit of Antichrist. This is how he gets access to our lives and to our hearts and our souls. It says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is of the world or all that is in the world, it's the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. It is not of the Father, but it is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it is passing away. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Verse 18, little children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that, the Antichrist is coming. Even now, many Antichrist, underline many, that's where we get this, that there's this spirit of Antichrist at work in the world, that many Antichrists have come, by which we know that is the last hour. They went out from, from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest, that none of them were with us. Verse 20 says, but you have an anointing from the Holy One. Be encouraged here. You have an anointing and you know all things. I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it and that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? He is the Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. He who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. Wow. Several things we see here in this passage of Scripture is, is number one, we see that the time is late, that even in the early church, when the church had started, they're saying the beginning of the end times was initiated, that there was going to be many antichrists that would rise up to try to pollute, to try to bring deception, to try to obtain power in government, to try to, tame, to, try to pervert and obtain power in the church. That where we're at on a time frame, I would reference you to Mr. Shubat at, at Shubat.com, who has a lot of great writings and articles and is, is a scholar of church history and, and who I've studied and referenced as well. But what we see is we are here at the, at the, the beginning of the end, what we read, but now many Bible scholars will tell us is that we are very close to the end of the end, that what we're seeing these perilous times that the Bible talks about, that there would be pestilence, there would be wars and rumors of wars, natural disasters, that there would be political upheaval, and there would be falling away, apostasy in the church, that we see headline after headline, and we see these things taking place right underneath our eyes. What we also see, too, is that it says that the Antichrist is a liar, that's why we get the, the term antichrist, because it is deceptive. It is opposite of the truth. You know, we see here that uh, the antichrist longs to be worshipped. That just as we worship our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, is there's one thing that the, the, the antichrist is ultimately after, and that is my worship and that is your worship, that he longs to be adored. When you think about why was our spiritual enemy Satan, why was he thrown from heaven that we read in the book of Genesis? It's because he wanted to be exalted and be worshipped. And God said, no, that's not how things 
go around here. And so the Bible says that Satan and a legion of demons were cast into hell. And what we fight today are those spiritual powers, those spiritual principalities, those demonic forces. And what they long to do is to be set up in your life as an idol, to be set up to be worshipped, to steal the true worship from God, from Jesus Christ. We see this in 2 Thessalonians, and I want you to, to stay there in your Bibles if you have them open, because we're going to reference Thessalonians several times throughout this message. But look what it says. It says in regards to worship in verse 4, 2 Thessalonians 2, 4, those who oppose and exalt himself above all that is called God or that is worshiped so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. See, we need to be reminded that worship is worth-ship. Worship is what we assign ultimate value and ultimate worth to in our life. And the enemy, motivated by a spirit of Antichrist, wants to bring all hell against you and your family, all the demonic forces it can to get you from being a true worshiper. And in the Bible, we see a true worship is one who worships in spirit and one who worships in truth, one who is intimate with God, one who loves God, one who says in the greatest commandment that my entire heart, my soul, my mind, and my strength is captured by the love of God and the Lordship of Jesus Christ. That that is what he is after in this hour, in this time, is to rob you of your worship, to dethrone Jesus off of the throne of your life, the one you're putting your faith in, the one you're putting your hope in, and to remove Christ and place idols in those place. Idols of discontentment, idols of money, idols of power, idols of pride, even idols of good things. I've preached this before that an idol is a good thing in the wrong place. So what are good things that can become idols? It can be family. It can be maybe my job and working that there's, if we're not careful, good things can become idols in our life. And the Antichrist is so deceptive and is so grooming our culture and grooming our society to when he comes on the scene, whenever that may be, he will be widely accepted because the spirit of Antichrist has been at work. 2 Thessalonians verse two, or chapter 2, verse 6, look what it says. It says, And now you know what is restraining, that he may be revealed in his own time. What we see here is that the Holy Spirit inside of you and me is what restrains the spirit of Antichrist. The Holy Spirit is what restrains evil on the earth. The Holy Spirit is a covering that says, no, I'm restraining that from coming into my people's life. And so the, the Holy Spirit can withhold is what we see here. And what it's saying in 2 Thessalonians that it's the Holy Spirit who is restraining the Antichrist the, the person of the Antichrist from coming onto the scene. But till he comes on, the spirit of Antichrist will be at work to try to chip away at your life and triple, chip away at your relationship with God. As I was praying this week, several things began to stir in me. And that was in this time that we're living in, as we're seeing our world turn upside down, is that if you're a careless, if you're a lazy, if you're a Christian who doesn't really take the relationship with God serious, if you're not careful, you are ripe to be deceived by a spirit of Antichrist. And here's why. And again, we're using a lot of scripture because these aren't my opinions, but this is the word of God. 
Scripture says this in 2 Peter 2, 17 through 22. And it talks of, of a lazy Christian. It talks of a Christian that has backslid. And that we need to understand that backsliding is not when you just fall away from Jesus. You do, but you fall into something. And that into something is being deceived into a spirit of Antichrist. Look what Scripture says, 2 Peter 2, 17 through 22. It says, These people, these Christians, are springs without water and mist driven by a storm. The blackest of darkness is reserved for them. For they mouth empty boastful words, and by appealing to the lustful desires of the flesh. So here's where we see again that the Antichrist gets access into, into feeding your flesh, into feeding your pride. It's the lustful desires of the flesh. It says they entice people who are just escaping from those who live in error. Verse 19, they promise them freedom while they themselves are slaves of depravity. For people are slaves to whatever has mastered them. Verse 20, if they have escaped the corruption of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and are again entangled in it and are overcome. This next part of the scripture always startles me. It says, they are worse off at the end than they were at the beginning. If you would, ha you would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than to have known it and then to turn their backs on the sacred command that was passed on to them. The proverb is true, the scripture says. It says, There as though a dog who returns to vomit, or a pig that was washed that returns to the wallowing in the mud. Man, we need to take this as a wake-up call. And we need to see that we don't want to be a lazy, a passive Christian who just keeps our mouth shut, who lives defeated, who doesn't honor the ways of God, who what we're going to see in Timothy says, yeah, I call myself a Christian, but I deny the power that can transform my heart. I deny the power that can literally regenerate my life and make me a new creation. That we need the power of God flowing through every believer. That there should be a demonstration of power coming out of every believer's life. And now more than ever, if we're going to see personal revival, if we're going to see an awakening take place within our lives, we have to seek his presence and not be a passive Christian who is being backsliding into the things of the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, that that's where the Antichrist will begin to steal, kill, and destroy anything that is like Christ in your life and entice you, pollute you, deceive you into all things filthy. And so what do we see here? We need to know that in Bible prophecy, what we hear is, is this term in, in Daniel 7, and it's the abomination of desolation. The book of Daniel speaks to it, and I don't want to go too deep into all of that just yet. But what we need to know in Daniel 7, that it speaks of this Antichrist or this beast, and it's referring to the Antichrist. And what it says in Daniel chapter 7 is it says that it will wear the saint out. Now, if you want to know you're being deceived by a spirit of Antichrist, you are most likely exhausted spiritually. You're not being filled up. The, the word of God is not attractive to you. Going to church, you dread it. You're not listening to worship music. You're, you're just drifting and drifting and drifting. And you're opening yourself up to a spiritual attack. But what we need to know is the saints are being worn out by a spirit of Antichrist because that's how he operates. What we also need to see is that, and, and Mr. Shubat has a lot of great articles and a lot of great teaching and history on this to really show it. And there's a lot of different ways people see the temple being rebuilt. 
Now, maybe we've heard that when Jesus comes back, there will be a physical temple rebuilt in Jerusalem. I'm not discounting that. But I also want us to see that in the New Covenant, in the New Testament, Jesus says that you and I are the temple of God. You and I are the temple of the Holy Spirit, that we as the church, we as a people are the temple of God. Look what scripture says. I want to give you a couple quickly to really confirm this. It says in 1 Corinthians 3.16, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple? Underline that, highlight that. And that God's spirit dwells in you. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is sacred and you together are that temple. 2 Corinthians 6.16 speaks to this. It says, what agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? Saying the two can't go together. For we are the temple of the living God. And God has said, I will live with them. I will walk among them and I will be their God and they will be my people. What we need to hear, what Paul is saying to the, the church of Corinth is that we are the temple of God, that God longs to dwell within us. He is jealous for relationship with you and I. And that as the temple, we need to make room for him. We need to get anything that is anti-Christ out of our life and say, Holy Spirit, come and dwell in me like never before. That we don't want to be a lazy Christian. We don't want to be a passive Christian. Write this down. There will always be a Christ on your throne. No matter where you're at, what stage of life, there will always be a Christ. It is either anti-Christ or it is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It is up to you to find out and be watchful and vigilant to see what Christ is on the throne of my life. And I believe you're watching this and you are a part of this church because you want the truth. You don't want a pastor that's just going to babysit you, but you want to have a leader, a shepherd that is willing to give you the truth, that is willing to speak truth in love so that you don't be deceived in this hour. But we want to be people whose Jesus Christ is supreme and is on the thrones of our life. We see what is happening in the world and headline after headline. It startles me because what we see is churches all over the country have had to shut their doors, but the doors of abortion clinics still remain open. We see the agenda of, of the homosexuality, of the LGBTQ agenda moving forward and being widely accepted, that we've seen our laws begin to change and move away into a post-Christian society. Barna Research, so many... Uh, Credible uh, surveys have said we are now a post-Christian America. And so we've seen right underneath our nose in the last years of how things have drifted and drifted and drifted. And again, the Antichrist deceives and he begins to start to groom a generation to receive him. So when he comes on the scene, God always does his work through a remnant church. In GPC, I want us to be that church where we stand together, where we stand strong. Though we may be small, we serve a God who is bigger. We serve a God who is able. We serve a God who will show up in the fiery furnace. And that which will be burnt will not be you and I, but it will be the shackles of Babylon. It will be the, the clothes, the garments of the world. And we will be left to be radiant and burn bright with Christ. Two causes, and I want to close with this this morning. Two causes on how a believer can be overcome or be influenced or deceived or polluted by the Antichrist. Number one is this. Write this down. We're going to go back to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, and this comes from verse 10. 
It says, and with all unrighteousness, deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. What scripture is saying here is there is going to be a believer. And again, these scriptures I'm bringing out to us, these scriptures are talking to the church. They're not talking to the world, but it's saying that in the end times, the love of the church, what is happening in the life of those in the church, there will be a falling away. Because you can't fall out of something if you've never been in something. This is talking to the church where they are falling out of love with Jesus. They are growing cold to the things of God. They are rejecting the word of God. So it says that they, in verse 10, they're not receiving the love of the truth. Jeremiah 5 speaks to this mindset and this attitude. Jeremiah 5 verse 1 through 3 says this. It says, go up, talking to the prophet, go up and down the streets of Jerusalem. Look around and consider. Search through her squares. If you can find me one person who deals honestly and seeks the truth, I'll forgive the city. I'll bring renewal in their city is what it's saying. Verse 2 says, although they say, as surely as the Lord lives, still they are swearing falsely. Lord, do not your eyes look for truth. You struck them, but they felt no pain. You crushed them, but they refused correction. They made their faces harder than stone and refused to repent. Wow, you need to underline this passage of scripture because this speaks to where so many people are at. When the correction of the Lord comes, when his hand begins to come to draw his people back in. Here's what it says. It says, they said one thing. They said, oh yeah, surely as the Lord lives, but their heart posture, their attitude, their motivation was not that of honoring God, was not that of the fear of God, but it was, it was two disconnects. Their mouth said one thing, their heart was different. So it says, as the prophet went looking around, it says, as the word of the Lord came, it didn't strike them. It didn't make them grieve. It didn't make them repent. And see, I pray you're never to a place where you hear the spoken prophetic word of God and it doesn't strike you anymore. When you, if you want to find when you're opening yourself up to being deceived by a spirit of antichrist is when the word of God doesn't con convict you anymore. When the word of God doesn't correct you, when you begin to close yourself off of the love of the truth, like it says in verse 10. Number two is this, what began to happen is they had a pleasure with unrighteousness. There was pleasure for unrighteousness. So we had number one, they stopped receiving the love of the truth. Number two, falling dece deceptive to the Antichrist is there was pleasure with unrighteousness. Second Thessalonians 2.12, it says that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. See, in the last day, there will be lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God in the church. And 2 Timothy tells us this, 2 Timothy, Timothy verse 3 says, in 2 Timothy verse 3, verse 3 says, But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come, troublesome times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, they'll be lovers of money, they'll be boasters, they'll be proud, they'll be blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanders without self-control. They'll be brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness but denying its power. And it says, and from such people turn away. 
I'm telling you right now, if you can hear my heart, is that now is the time as we repent as a people, as we pray to have inner revival, is we need to lay any pleasures down that have become idols in our life. Because everything I just listed there is breeding ground to be deceived by a spirit of antichrist. That it says, you'll have a form of godliness, but you'll deny its power. See, a form of godliness says, yeah, I said a prayer once, or yeah, I was baptized once, but the fruit of the Spirit, the transformative work of God has not had its full way, has not had full access in every part of your life. And if we're going to be a church that is operating in the demonstrative power of God, we need to know we serve a holy God. We serve a Holy Spirit who says, I want to put my power in you. I want you to be a temple for me to come and live. But you have to get the idols out. There can't be a Christ and an antichrist in your temple. Here's where I want to encourage you. And I want the power of God to touch you right now if you will open your heart. Because in Second Th Thessalonians, it just doesn't give the doom and gloom, gloom, but then it begins to encourage the remnant church. It begins to encourage the end times church. Look what it says, Second Thessalonians 2, verse 13. It says, but we are bound to give thanks to God always for you. Brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God from the beginning chose you for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in truth. If you're going to have... Uh, Jesus Christ and the power of God active in your life, it comes through the sanctifying of the Holy Spirit. See, sanctification is being set apart, that on purpose you choose to set yourself apart. On purpose you choose to move away from the pleasures of this world that can deceive you and become idols. And on purpose you say, I want to be sanctified by God for His purposes. Verse 14, it says, To which he called you by our gospel for the obtaining of glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, brethren, stand fast. Or in other words, stand firm and hold the traditions which you were taught, whether by word or by epistle. And this is my prayer for you. And I believe the power of God can touch you as we read the remaining of this scripture. Let this sink deep into your spirit. So as we're standing firm, verse 16, Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and our God and Father, who has loved us and given us everlasting consolation and good hope by grace, comfort your hearts and establish you in every good work and every good word. That's my prayer for you. As you become aware of this spirit, how he operates, that you don't allow the love of the word to draw cold in your life, that you don't get consumed with, with pleasure, that your love of God grows cold, that as you're on guard and you're fighting the spirit of Antichrist, that God will establish you to stand firm in every good word in every good work, and you will be effective. You will be ready to see what David Wilkerson prophesied in 1986, that there would be this great awakening, the spirit of repentance sweep through, and as that spirit comes through, renewal will begin to come out of the church. New wine will begin to come from the church, and that we'll see God do amazing things. I want to leave you with this passage of Scripture, Psalms 125, 1 through 4. This is what ZCA was built on, our Christian school. It says, Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be shaken, but endures forever. 
That is my prayer for you, that as you receive the truth and the strength of God's word, you will be unshakable. You will be immovable because you serve a God who is able in your life. I love you. Let's go before the word of the Lord. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father, we pray right now in Jesus' name. God, I pray that you would establish us in every good work in every good word, that your strong harm, your strong outreached arm would reach into us, that it would protect us, that it would defend us. I rebuke the spirit of Antichrist right now in the name of Jesus, that it will not come near any house, any temple, anyone who says, I serve Jesus, he is Lord of my life, that we would know we have power to overcome this spirit of Antichrist, that we will not fall prey to its deception. We open up our hearts to the work of the Holy Spirit in this time. Take us deeper, take us in, renew us, rejuvenate us, invigorate us in this time. We honor you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, amen. Well, I wanna take this time and we're gonna honor God in a time of communion. It's the first Sunday of every month where we participate and take communion. Go ahead and, and get the elements, get some juice, get some bread as a family. And we're going to take communion together this morning. I'm going to invite our team. They're going to do uh, remembrance. And as they're doing this song, I'm going to have a devotional thought up that I want you just to be processing and praying through. And as you're processing and praying and taking communion together, let this song bless you. Let it remind you that you serve a God who is able. God bless you. We'll see you next time.